0: Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 156. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co founder of Lended FinTech. Today's show is sponsored by Lendit Fintech Europe 2018, Europe's leading event for innovation in financial services. It's coming up on the 19th and 20th of November in London at the Business Design Centre. We have recently opened registration as well as speaker applications. You can find out more by going to lendit.com Europe. Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome James Gutierrez, He is the CEO and co-founder of Insect. Now, Insect is an interesting company. We've had James on the show before, but over the last two and a half, three years, his company has changed significantly and he's really, I think, doing some interesting work. So we talk about his Lendify product, which is this lending as a service product that he is not just going out to banks and credit unions, but really retail stores and money exchange places. We go into that in some depth, how that works. We talk about the way they're doing underwriting and how he's able to underwrite these, you know, thin file borrowers. And we talk more, most importantly, about the, the recent CDFI certification that his company received, which I thought was really interesting. And finally, we, uh, we talk about the investing side of the business and the really interesting developments that are happening there. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoyed the show. Welcome back to the podcast,
1: James. Peter thanks for having me it's a real pleasure and honor I okay. appreciate
0: it my, my pleasure so uh, it's been has been a couple of years more than a couple of years since uh, since we've had you on but for those of the listeners that don't know you give us just tell us a little bit of background about yourself what you've done in your career to date
1: Sure well I've been I've been an entrepreneur in, in social finance for the last 13 years my family's Mexican, came to this country, went through a lot of hardship, and passed that on to me. And that that was a defining point in my life growing up. And I felt like I always wanted to give back to the community, in particular the one I grew up around. I was very fortunate, uh, went to great schools, studied at Yale, Stanford for business school. And when I was graduating business school, I worked on a project to focus on how do we solve this problem, people being underbanked in the Hispanic, Latino community in the U.S. And I really got stuck on this problem of credit. Uh, now I think about when I think of our mission in the company, it's really about providing economic justice. We can come back to that, but, but that was that was the the driving force for me back then in two thousand five. Uh-huh. And so for the last thirteen years I've been an entrepreneur. I founded two companies in this fintech space that helps kind of low income people move up the financial ladder. First company, which started out of my research project at at, at Stanford Business School, was is, is it was called Progreso Financiero. Uh, now it's called Opportune. And then about four years plus or so ago, I started InSeq, which is what I'm running now as CEO and, and co-founder.
0: Okay, so tell us a little bit about your company and, and how it's evolved you know, since we last spoke a couple of years ago.
1: Absolutely, so look, we're, at InSeq, we're fighting for economic justice. We believe everyone in America deserves affordable access to capital. The pain point we're focused on right now is that between a credit card, which most of the people we serve cannot qualify for, Mm -hmm. and a payday loan, which we see as being kind of a predatory option for folks, there's nothing in the middle. And, you know, the problem is that income volatility has increased 30%. There's a new normal need for income smoothing. I think it's, you know, 90 billion people have spent money on payday, or there's been 90 billion of of uh, fees, you know, associated in dollars uh, with with payday loans, 86% of people can't pay them back on time, the the price point's very high. And so what we're really focused on is, you know, like I said, the pain points, there's nothing in the middle. And so how do we help people solve that income smoothing, get access to capital, Mm -hmm. uh, but also do it where there's a road to the future and really about building a credit score? Because there's a lot of folks in this country that are credit invisible and so at InSeq, we're very focused on being that solution as a first step, and then longer term, we, we're really focused on helping those people improve their financial health. And we're excited about looking into other products that can solve other pain points. But today, the pain point we're focused on is is that that gap between a credit card and a payday loan, and filling that gap with something that's responsible that we can all be proud of.
0: Right. And so, how are you actually getting that product to market? Are you are you doing um, through physical locations i know we're going to talk about your lending as a service piece but what is the mechanism is it is it on a mobile phone what's the mechanism for getting your your product to market
1: yes so what i learned from my last company i i mentioned i found it opportune, we opened up storefronts in low income communities and i realized the last mile is is very expensive and it's it's not it's not feasible for banks to open up branches in low income communities many times it's not feasible to invest in that last mile because unless you're charging really, really high rates, it's very hard to make the math work. And that was a problem that we experienced when I was growing Opportunity is opening up storefronts was costly. And, you know, when you're trying to you know do the right thing and charge people a fair rate and, and give them opportunity, um, that last mile became very, very, very expensive. And so the way we, get our product out there is we created is really through technology, we can open up access points to those that are underserved and live in cash-based cultures and where there's banking deserts. And the way we do that is we, we basically partner with grocers, specialty insurers, money transfer businesses. We realize that these are places already that our customers that we're trying to serve trust and they go to on a frequent basis. And what we do is we enable those places to take a loan application. And so our technology sits in the cloud and through a web browser, an employee at one of those locations can say, hey, welcome to the store. I can now walk you through a loan application process for a small loan that can help you build credit. And so that's how we show up. And so this is, you know, this is new because it hasn't really been done before. And this is how we kind of thought about solving that last mile problem of getting into these communities where financial services don't exist today.
0: Yeah. And I remember when we, when we last chatted on the podcast, I think you, didn't you say you, when you had the idea for opportune, you used to hang out in uh, in grocery stores and supermarkets to, to see if there was a demand for this product. So it's almost, it's almost like you're going back to that original thesis.
1: It is, but we're doing it without all of the cost of having our own storefront. You know, what we realized is in cash based cultures, trust shows up in a different way. Right. You know, historically we would think of trust in particular financial institutions as fancy buildings, nice suits, you know, everything being four point nine nine percent. And I think as you you and I know, you know, the last year or two, a lot of that trust has kind of been put in question by a lot of large institutions. And but what's existed is in cash based cultures, trust is different. It's not you know, how fancy the building is and what someone wears in their suit. It's, you know, going two times a week or a month to a grocery store. It's someone remembering your face. It's someone remembering that, hey, it's your daughter's quinceanera this weekend and and someone wanting to listen and talk to you about your problems, your hopes, your dreams. It's someone acknowledging you and respecting you. It's deeply personal at that point of contact. And so I think what we realize is, look, that already exists, that trust already exists. How do we harness it in a way that enables access points to taking a loan application, access points to delivering affordable access to capital? And so that's how we're trying to change the model before we open up our own store to create that trust. And then I think what I realized after all these years is you know, we don't have to recreate the will if we're going to open up 10,000 locations and serve people all across the country with that last mile problem that trust already exists let's just harness it leverage it and and do that through technology and yeah. so that's that's what we're doing that's different got it got it
0: okay so so then this is this is your lendify product the the, the lending as a service piece and just what I'd like to, you know, maybe you could give us a sense of, you know, we talked about grocery stores. I think I've also read you're You you know, you're partnering with banks, um, credit unions, and we're going to talk about your CDFI certification in a little bit. But before we get there, I want to get a sense of, of of sort of the breadth of the the types of organizations that you're partnering with.
1: Yes, absolutely. So a lot's changed in the last three years since we spoke, Peter. So when you think about how does trust show up in those cash Based systems, Uh, they're already out there for the underbanked in this country. It's it's all across the map. So we have a few partners that are grocery store providers. You know, they realized over time that in order to get people in the store, everyone needs cash to check, and so they started providing check cashing. Then they started providing money remittance, and so soon they realized they have a whole financial services arm to their supermarket, and so it was a natural place for us to partner and show up in that financial service hub inside those supermarkets where they said, look, we want to offer small loans. And so we're enabling them to offer small loans because a lot of our partners came to us and said, look, we know our customers need this small loan product. We want to give them a responsible product. We already have trust with them. But our problem is we don't know how to do the underwriting. We don't have the technology that can process a loan application. We don't have a way of automating income verification and making it fast and easy. Mm -hmm. So they partner with us. And so, you know, to answer your question, the example is we have auto insurance providers. We have a lot of money transfer businesses. We have grocers. We even have a few banks and credit unions. And so in total, we now have about 35 companies that we partner with. And there's about 2,000 of their employees that are out there offering our product. Across, we're now up to about 700 storefronts okay. that are offering that product. So most of the people apply in a physical location, face to face, where they talk to people about their quinceanera, you know what's happening in their life. You know they already have established trust, and then they're applying for the loan. We do have a few partnerships that are entirely digital. So we have some where, you know, you get an email from a from a company. And they let you know about this opportunity. And then if you click to reply, either on your phone, via SMS or email, you complete our application entirely you know, on your mobile phone, for example. But most of our applications come from those 700 retail points today that we have in partnership with.
0: Okay. And so are you originating loans yourself without like under your own brand or is this all third party partnerships?
1: Yeah. These are all third-party partnerships. So, you know, we realize that these brands already have trust. And so we leverage their brands. So when you show up, you know, you learn about, Hey, this is, for example, we partner with Dolex, uh, Dollar Express. It's a money remittance company. So you go to a Dolex store and that's the brand. And then Dolex says that they're now offering a small loan product that can help you build credit. And so when you initiate that application, then you learn about Lendify. Lendify is the name of our kind of enterprise solution, but it's also the name to the customer of the loan provider. And so we do everything A to Z of processing that application. We decision it centrally. The employee of Dolex is typing in your information, is scanning your paycheck stub, is scanning, you know, your proof of income – sorry, proof of address documents, utility bills – And all that goes up in the cloud, and we then look at that, we analyze it, and we return a decision. Mm -hmm. And if that loan is approved, we fund the loan. And so we fund the loans, and then the loans go on our balance sheet, and we take the risk. And so we have these 2,000 people, 700 stores, generating loan applications. We decision all of them and take the risk, and then they ride on our balance sheet. Right, gotcha.
0: And and what's your geographical footprint? How, How many states are you in?
1: Uh, today we're in four states. We're lending in California, Texas, Illinois, and Arizona. We're a state-by-state lender, so we haven't employed the, you know, the kind of sponsoring bank, you know, model as of yet. And so we're, uh, you know, we're subject to the specific regulations and and uh, rules of every state that we operate in. So today that's four states.
0: And so are you focused, yeah, you know, primarily in those regions? I mean, obviously California. Arizona and Texas have large Hispanic populations, Illinois, I mean, maybe you know better than I do. I don't don't know whether they do, but um, is this, are you targeting that or are you targeting sort of more of a demographic sort of footprint? What's your, why those states, I guess?
1: Well, so why those states, number one is, yeah, I think when you look at the underbanked population in the country, it it skews pretty strongly to some of the larger states, California, Texas being uh, pretty large. So that's that's part of the reason is a lot of our national market is in these four states. We certainly intend to expand. Uh, we're really actively trying to get into Florida. We'd love to be in New York. Solve problems for people in Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia, uh, and a few other states. You know, and then one day be national. But you know, back to your question with these states. Look, you know, and who we're tar- we're serving. We're we're really serving working class people of all of all types of jobs and backgrounds. We do have. An active practice and, and expertise in serving, you know, uh, people who speak Spanish or who are comfortable doing the loan application in Spanish, and are Hispanic, but, you know, in background. But we're 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 a universal provider of credit. We we think that this is a this is a global problem of people who need to improve their financial health, who are having tough times but, you know, who have demonstrated moral collateral and and have, you know, we believe they'll pay back. And just because they don't have a FICO score, they have a low FICO score, doesn't mean they don't deserve an opportunity. And so we have a specialty in being able to underwrite them. And so that could be people of all different ethnic backgrounds. It could be folks who, who have multiple jobs and are, you know, just trying to help their families and move up the ladder. And we want to help all of them.
0: Okay. Okay. So how how do you go about, you know, these these people don't have a credit score, they don't have a whole lot of, you know, records at the credit bureaus. So what are you doing to, you know, to underwrite these people and and assess their risk?
1: We capture about 2000 variables in the application process. We ask uh, a bunch of questions in the in the application that I think separate us from other Providers. We also, of course, pull all of the records and public information that we can get on someone when they provide us, you know, their basic, you know, personal information. But on top of that, one thing that's unique is we're also tapping our partners for their data. We think this is kind of, a, you know, what we call like the fourth dimension of of data mining on our customers, where you know, pursuant to their, you know, they opt in and to share this. Information, but having a partner model creates that extra source. So, for example, uh, with Dolex, we're pulling all of your historical money transfer transactions. With another partner, we're pulling all of your credit and debit information. Uh, we're working closely mm-hmm. with the supermarket supermarkets to see if we can start pulling people's purchasing and SKU information, and to try and see if these additional digital data footprints on people can be used in underwriting and so we're pulling a lot of information because as you said a lot of most of our customers think half of our customers don't even have uh, a credit score or have a thin file and so they don't have they don't show up the way a traditional applicant would and so we need to look into other sources to try and underwrite them our technology is, is spent on that to automate that. Okay. So it's just interesting
0: to me because I imagine even in a cash based system, I'm thinking about the supermarkets. I mean, oftentimes you get like a, a discount card that, that comes with, you know, that, that, that gives you special, special sales, but you can pay in cash and they can still get your purchase history because if you swipe that card, then they know that, um, you know, who you are and what your purchase history is. So I could see, there would be a treasure trove of data potentially in, in a lot of these uh, you know, partnerships. That I think, if you're going direct to the public, you simply can't duplicate that.
1: That's right, and we bring a lot of value to our partners as well. Because, for example, in the underbank markets, you know, there's a lot of there's a higher percentage of purchases at the point of sale that are done in cash. Right. And what we found right. is. When you have a strong financial services offering like a, a, a great loan product, you know because we take you through a lot of questions and we, we know, you know where you live, we have to do a lot of work to underwrite you. What we're working on as a next phase with our supermarket partners is providing the customers with a digital coupon, mm-hmm. uh, where then mm-hmm. they take that coupon back to the point of sale in the supermarket and they can then redeem... They can either say, I get, you know, the $1,200 cash from the loan, and then they they get the cash handed to them from that coupon, that digital barcode at the point of sale, or they could say, you know, I want to go spend uh, some of this money in the store, and then the rest they get get is like cash back. And so what that's enabling is that actually helps the supermarket a lot too, because it enables them to ID that customer at the point of sale and try and understand better their preferences and track them. So the data works both ways. And what we didn't know when we initially started is that we can actually be an enabler for data you know, analytics for our partners as well, which has been pretty cool.
0: And plus, if they've got $1,000 more in their pocket, they're probably going to spend a little bit more at the supermarket than they would have uh, otherwise. So as I can see, it's, it's certainly a win-win. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about, before we go much further, I do want to talk about your your recent CDFI certification. So maybe before you talk about that process, can you explain for those who don't know what a CDFI is and what it means to get a certification?
1: Absolutely. So the CDFI was created in the in the Clinton administration under the Regal Act. And basically the the thinking back then was you know, one of our board members, Gene Sperling who was the uh, NEC Director under Clinton, after Bob Rubin and also under President Obama, you know he was pretty instrumental in the creation of this so so i've I've even quizzed him on this question as well about the history, but basically back then you know there was a feeling that you know I think similar to today that a lot of banks don't really serve all communities and don't serve them well, and there's a lot of communities being left behind. I mentioned the last mile problem where there's banking deserts you know in this country, and so the thinking was there needs to be. A special kind of financial institution, specifically financial institutions that lend money, you know, that lend uh, in small, small business loans and, you know, consumer loans that are alternatives to payday mm-hmm. or, you know, lending and redevelopment projects, but that there's financial institutions focused on providing capital back into low to moderate income communities across the country as a core mission of theirs. And so... Uh, There's about a 1,000 CDFIs now, you know, since the creation of of the CDFI Fund. What's interesting, Peter, is that most of them, the vast majority, are not-for-profit. Right. And so, you know, we've we've joined a special community of mission-oriented companies. And so for us, what it means is, you know, it's a noble designation, and it enables us to be part of this community. But, you know, as we think of this community, we also ask ourselves the questions, you know, let's scale. How do we scale to serve millions of people in this country who, who need access? And so we present a bit of a, you know, a new kind of disruptive type of force in general and, and in thinking about how do we build institutions that can scale. Two ways that it does help us, though, that are more within the codes of being a CDFI is, you know, banks can partner with CDFIs and get and be able to fulfill their CRA obligations. Right. Um, and you know, if they invest in and or lend to a CDFI or to a security issued by a CDFI, they can use deposit capital to do that because it qualifies as a social welfare benefit under, under the guidelines. And so it kind of, for us, it unlocks, you know, our biggest challenge as we scale will be the billions of dollars that we'll need to go out and put back in the community. Where does that money come from? And so being able to partner with banks it's it's a win-win you know this this is like CRA 2.0 you know CRA 1.0 I think and many people would say it hasn't really worked the way it was supposed to we want to get capital out there and so by being a CDFI it enables banks to either lend to us to invest in our securitizations but provide capital to us and then we're the experts at figuring out how to underwrite this borrower and and lend to the right people in a responsible way with good underwriting and, and get that capital out to those communities, and so I think it's, it creates a win-win. That's the first part about it. The second part is there's a lot of awards and other ways that not only we can partner with banks, that, but, but that we can also look through some programs with the government to continue to scale and provide you know more capital out to communities. So those are those are two ways in which the CDFI designation you know truly helps us.
0: Okay, so you know CDFI is obviously a national certification. I think it's from the Treasury if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, but but so, so clearly this allows you you know to use this designation across the US. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. And we're specifically certified for the markets that we have operated in since the beginning. So right now it's California and Texas, and then we'll be expanding that. But it is a national cert- certification that is correct. And you are also correct. It is from the U.S. Treasury Department. So it's a very, uh, like I said, noble designation. We feel it's a recognition and a signal to our partners, our borrowers, and our investors that our products are truly helping low-income communities. And that's what we were, all, that's what we were founded about. Um, and so it's a rare certification. And it sets us apart. You know, it sets us apart. I think, you know, sometimes it's hard You know, for example, there's a recent Economist article written about, you know, credit products that are helping to solve the working poor across the country, and it's really hard to figure out, okay, you know, like, what is actually good for people and helping them and what is not? It's kind of misty, and I said earlier, there's a big gap between, you know, a payday loan and a credit card, and how do you figure out who has the right underwriting standards, who's doing uh, the right pricing, who has you know, uh, all of the the other noble practices that, that would qualify as being kind of responsible. And I think this designation really helps us to, you know, demystify, you know, what what is what is truly serving this mission that's helping people. And so we're very proud to have received this designation and, mm-hmm. and make that more clear. Right, right.
0: Okay, so I want to move on a little bit to the to so the investing side of the business, or at least the, you know, where your, your capital comes from. And you mentioned bank partners, partners but I want to, I mean, you're, you're making these loans in these, you know, supermarkets and money, you know, money transfer places. You said it's coming off your balance sheet. So where do you, where have you obtained capital that's, the, you know, that you've able to put on your balance sheet to lend?
1: Well, so we, two sort, we have uh, two sources of capital. One is your traditional, kind of credit lines slash warehouse lines. So you borrow big credit facilities. Hist- from us historically, Peter, that's been from a hedge fund, Adalia Capital Management, who's a great partner. You know, they had provided for me uh, the first hundred million uh when I was building Progresso Opportune and uh, they were a key partner. And so they came in early about three three or three plus years ago for us here, right when we first made our first loan. Through Lendify, and and so they're a partner of ours, and that's how we fund. And then we're currently working on setting up a, a really large bank facility right now. Certainly, the CDFI designation helps with that, and so we believe we'll have you know two or three lenders there that will be you know your traditional credit facilities. So that's one source of capital. One of the things that I learned in building Opportune though is that you don't want to be you have too much concentration risk in your capital providers. Right. You know, if they if one of them goes away, your whole business can go away. And so we thought, if you remember back in the days, uh, and I think even from the last podcast, we were securitizing loans from Prosper and yeah. Lending Club. Yep. And people were wondering, okay, is that your business, or did you guys pivot? You know, we we never really that was never really our business, and we never really pivoted. It was we wanted to build a securitization marketplace where. Uh, instead of having 10,000 depositors, because we don't have the benefit of being a bank in that way, we want to have 10,000 investors. And, so, and we want to crowdfund away this concentration risk. So we're diversifying into you know, 10,000 people, and those 10,000 can be big institutional funds like J.P. Morgan Asset Management. They're not a partner today, but you know, that's an example. Or banks. Or they can be individual accredited investors, um, and so we want we want to enable all of them to invest and be part of not only the financial coupon of buying in through a securitization and investing in our loans but also the social coupon. you know one day, I have a vision that you know LeBron James and some of the big sports figures and and uh, and and actors who come from low income communities will say look i'm so proud i bought uh, you know i invested 100 or uh, 100,000 in this latest bond issuance because it's going back in my community it's going back to people that i grew up around it's helping them build credit and it's really that social coupon so we're spending a lot of time which we had to you know kind of test the waters and do the um, the beta testing through prosper and lending club securitizations but now i would say you know to answer your question we about 85% of our balance sheet today is funded through securitization so we've created this private you know marketplace that we have now done six deals of over 120 million uh now 20 to 30 million uh each that we're doing as much as once a month it's quite exciting and so that that you know we we basically answer your question we have the credit facilities and we have securitization and that's what's funding a lot of our the loans that we're making
0: okay so I got to back up a second you you're talking about your individual accredited investors Are, does this mean you're, you're you're gonna have a vehicle for for those people I mean I know you you, know, you you've had the Prosper Lending Club stuff for, for, for a while but what is I mean is this is this live today can someone can a an accredited investor come onto your website sign up and start investing in Lendify loans
1: yes it's a hundred percent live today You can't click all the way through on our website and put on your bank information and then get a digital certificate. At some point, it'll say, call this phone number. And so we're going to build some more technology to make that entirely digital. But yes, it is open to all accredited individual investors. So we have to verify people are accredited and also institutions. So today we have a little less than 100 investors. Peter, we've got, it's interesting, we've got everything from banks even japanese banks that are investing alongside individual credit investors putting in, you know, 100,000 each and a bank putting in 10 million into the same securitization what makes this diff- different from a lot of the marketplace lenders is, you know, at least with Prosper and Lending Club, you know, you as you as an individual can invest in one loan. We don't allow that. We basically pool all the loans so there's like 10, 20,000 loans in one pool. And then we issue the bonds, the securitization, and then we crowdfund those bonds. So you can have multiple investors in that bond, You know, one of them investing $100,000, one of them investing $10 million. And then those bonds are collateralized by the $10,000, $20,000 loans. And so that, that's the one way it's different is this is more of a bond securitization product, but it is crowdfunded in a way where absolutely you could have... Uh, We have a lot of individual investors. And our goal, back to my point with LeBron James, is to one day have, you know, social media drive where we're having people in Boca Raton, we're having people overseas, and we're having, you know, a lot of like what's happened in China. We're having people, individuals investing directly in our bonds that then fund the loans that we make. Right, right.
0: Okay. So we're almost out of time, but I do want to, I just want to pick up on that view. I mean, what, what is the minimum investment and what's the coupon on these bonds?
1: So on our latest deal, our, our A's, the seniors, the coupon was 4% and they have, the cool thing is that they have a, a duration, a weighted average life of just three to four months. Because wow. remember, Peter, our loans to so our borrowers, our average loan size is $1,200 for about 12 months. So when you put that into securitization, the top of the capital stack, the senior bond can pay off in you know three to five months. And so that cash flows out pretty quickly. For that kind of duration, we're paying 4%. The next layer down, we're paying about 7 to 7.5%. And then we have a final uh, C-class bond that I think we're paying just over 10% on. And so, de- you know, depending on what your risk return level is, you can buy the C, you can buy a combination of the B and the C, or you can just buy the A. What's interesting is we have a lot of credit hedge funds that are actually interested in only buying the A. And we were wondering... Well, how could you just buy the A, which is a 4% product? And they said, you know, well, we have a lot of cash sitting on our balance sheet. And instead of buying treasuries or investing in a money market, we can buy your bonds. They're very short duration and we get paid, you know, 400 basis points. And so uh, we've got demand at all levels. It's been pretty fun. And we've created the technology that enables us not only to do this and to do these issuances, but also to provide all the data these are non-rated securitizations and so what we think is look ratings didn't really work but what does work is giving people true transparency and access to the data and so all of that is on our website provided to investors so you know look this is the beginning of a lot more peter but we're pretty yep. excited that it's already playing a big role in our in our success
0: sure and just, and what so what is the minimum on, on these bonds
1: oh sorry yeah minimum is uh, you know, minimum we think in the future would be ten thousand. If someone's going to invest ten thousand, we're going to do a lot of work to make sure they're credited. Right. Uh, so right now, we've seen most of our individual investors come in at at the hundred thousand and up level. Right. Okay. Final
0: question. You know, what what are your goals here? What's your vision for the Lendify brand? Where where are you taking this? And let's look. You know, not not like ten years in the future, but maybe in the, over the next couple of years.
1: Number one. So there's 12,000, 13,000 payday loan stores. We need to match that. We're going to be in 15 to 20,000 locations across the country. Mm-hmm. We're going to be ubiquitous. So if there's a last mile problem in the community or rural community where there's only the payday lender, but across the street, guess what? There's a supermarket. There's an auto insurance company. We're going to be inside all those other places, and they're going to be offering the Lendify loan so that people don't have to go to that payday lender, they can go to a lower-priced option that helps them build credit. So we want to be ubiquitous when it comes to building this distribution channel so we're in all of the communities uh, across the country. Number two, we're thinking about financial health, and we don't want to stop the credit. That's the first pain point. We're going to be launching and announcing other products that have nothing to do with credit but have everything to do with helping this customer build their financial health. And that also includes thinking about what else do you offer around the credit product that enables them you know do people know even their credit score how can we make that more obvious to them and then actual products and and to give you a little bit of a hint you know we really like the investing side why is it that you have to be rich to invest right. why is it that you have to have like a million dollars and up to, to do anything with your money other people everyone this needs to, to know how do I put the money that I have set aside in a place where it's going to grow it's going to think it's going to think about my retirement my kids future their college we want to solve those problems for working class people and i think we'll be the first one to do that and then finally peter we want to be global this is not a, a u.s problem only this is a problem in germany this is a problem in spain this is a problem in in asia and other countries where people are being left behind by those institutions where trust has to be redefined and we believe our model because we show up in a way that they already trust with partners they know, we can deliver that and we can deliver it globally.
0: Right, right. Now that, well, that 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 sounds fantastic, and you know, I I really wish you all the best, James. I and appreciate you coming on the show today.
1: Peter, it's been a real honor. I'm looking forward to uh, updating you in three years about all the uh, <laughs> achievements we've had. It, so I really appreciate okay. it, and congrats to you and all your success with uh, with Land Academy. Okay. Thanks, James. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.
0: Bye. One of the things I really like about James and Insect is that they're doing things that are creative that haven't really been done before. While there certainly are other companies focused on the uh, on this underserved population, you know, I really I really like the way that they have approached this, and it makes sense to you know partner with all of these different retail stores. There's really there's really nobody else doing that in the online lending space today. So I certainly applaud James for going that direction. And then on the investor side, um, obviously we'd love to have non-accredited investors uh, investing in opportunities like this, but um, even for the accredited investors, I think it is a you know it's an interesting product, one that is not easy for an individual investor to get access to. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's show was sponsored by LendIt Fintech Europe 2018, Europe's leading event for innovation in financial services. It's happening November 19th and 20th, at the Business Design Centre in London. Registration is now open as well as speaker applications. Find out more by going to Lendit.com slash Europe.